Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. It has been long enough since Oregon voters decriminalized drugs under Measure 110 that we're starting to have some data about the measure's impact. A study last month found that decriminalization led to 182 additional unintentional drug overdose deaths in Oregon in 2021. But last week, a team of researchers came to a very different conclusion. They looked at Oregon and Washington, which had its own version of decriminalization. They found that removing criminal penalties for drug possession did not cause an increase in fatal ODs in the first year of implementation. Corey Davis is one of the authors of this new study. He's the director of the Harm Reduction Legal Project at the Network for Public Health Law. He's also an adjunct assistant professor at NYU Langone Health's Department of Population Health. Corey Davis, welcome. Hey, glad to be here. It's good to have you on. So our Oregon listeners have heard a lot about Measure 110 recently and for a number of years now. But can you remind us why you looked at 2021 data from Washington State as well? Sure. I, I mean, as a policy researcher, I think that Washington is actually a really interesting case. As your listeners probably know, there were a series of things that happened in Washington, beginning with the Washington Supreme Court finding the uh, drug possession statute unconstitutional, and then the legislature relatively shortly thereafter um uh, recreating the drug possession statute, but in a sort of much different way. Previously, possession of drugs had been a felony. It became a misdemeanor. But I think most importantly, um, they instituted this policy whereby law enforcement officers were required to provide a person that they would otherwise have arrested for simple possession of small amounts of drugs. Um, with a referral to services uh, two times before arresting them. So um, we refer to this in the paper as partial decriminalization. Um, It is not the kind of decriminalization that that Oregon had, but it is a sort of mandatory non-judicial deferral system, which is interesting and, and, and unique in this country. And so these two states together, neighbors, gave you a kind of natural experiment to to look at the, the first year of data for fatal ODs. How exactly did you do this study? What did you look at and what did you compare? Yeah, so I would note uh, that I... Um I am a policy expert. I am, I am not an epidemiologist, so um, I can just describe it in broad terms. But essentially what we did for both of the states separately is that we looked at the uh, trends in fatal overdoses for every state in the country in the years before. Um, it turns out that Measure 110 in Oregon and the legal change in Washington happened at almost the same time, within a month or two of each other. So we looked to see in that pre-period, which other states in the country have a trend that is similar to both Oregon and separately to Washington, right? So so we statistically analyze all of the other uh, states in the union, see which of them 
have a trend line that most matches, you know, both Oregon and Washington. And we pick the ones that that are closest. You know, there's a statistical cutoff that results in, I think, 12 or 13 states um, for each of them. And we use that as kind of a comparison, right? So um, we, uh, you know, the, the the statistical model assumes that because those states have had the you know most similar trajectory in the pre-period, absent any change, they would continue to have a similar trajectory after the policy change, right? So we basically look to see, um, was there a statistically significant change in that trend between that bucket of states, you know, that dozen or so states, um, after Measure 110 in Oregon and after that court decision was called the Blake decision uh, in Washington. And we just, you know, we just compare them. We kind of extrapolate, you know, what um, the model predicts what Oregon and Washington would have looked like if there wasn't the policy change. And we look at what actually happened, you know, after the policy change. And we just compare them statistically. I mean, it's, um, as you might imagine, a little more complicated than that, um, but that's the, you know, that's sort of an accurate description at a, at a high level for what we did. What do you think is the most important finding from this data that essentially looked at year one <laughs> of implementation? Well, I, I think that the most important finding is the headline finding, which is that we did not find that the uh, rate of fatal drug overdoses in either state was statistically significantly different from what we would have expected um, had the policy changes not been enacted. Um, now, note that that is not that is a, a separate um, thing from you know did overdose deaths go up? Um, they did go up, uh, but the question is, did they go up more than we would have expected, uh, absent Measure One Ten and, and absent the Blake decision? And we found that um, that they didn't. That the rate was increasing beforehand, it continued to increase afterwards. The data that that. Um, is at the heart of this for you is, is is one year of data of fatal overdoses, not including non-fatal ones. Why not? And and what does that mean for the the totality of what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's a data problem. Um, we would have loved to uh, been able to look at non-fatal overdoses. Unfortunately, I mean, it's it's really difficult to even define, you know, if you're looking for data on that, what it means, right? So it is to some extent possible to get measures of people who showed up in the emergency department with a non-fatal overdose. But of course, that's just a small subset. It's actually quite difficult to get a measure of people who EMS responded to um, after experiencing a non-fatal overdose. And there's all kinds of definitional and encoding um, problems there. You've got you know, thousands of different <laughs> EMS agencies ranging from you know, very well-funded fire department-based agencies to you know, rural volunteer agencies. And the data are just, they're just difficult. Um, but even if you could get all of those, right, even if you had a good measure of those, you run into this sort of um, 
uh, analytical question of, you know, one of the goals of Measure 110 uh, was to encourage people to call 911 <laughs> in the events of an overdose, right? So even if we were able to, you know, get a good measure of, of those data, um, and we found that they did go up to say that we, you know, we didn't, we didn't look at them, but if they did, you know, there's still this question of what is that telling us? You know, is that actually a measure of non-fatal overdoses or is that a measure of people who had a non-fatal overdose and somebody called 911? Um, so I, all that said, I would love to have looked at those data. It's just that the data um, weren't available. I should remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Corey Davis. He is the director of the Harm Reduction Legal Project at the Network for Public Health Law and one of the authors of the paper that came out last week looking at the first year of implementation of decriminalization or partial decriminalization in Oregon and Washington. Their headline is that um, these efforts, Measure 110 in Oregon and judicial uh, version in Washington did not lead to an increase in fatal overdoses. That's the first year, though. I want to turn to the next year of data from the CDC that we now have access to because it, it really does seem to show a very different story. It says that between April 2022, right after your paper stops, and April 2023, Washington and Oregon were estimated to have had the first and second highest rates of fatal overdoses in the country. Sorry, I should say the, first, the, the highest increases in those rates. In other words, the latest data seems to potentially undercut your conclusion in a dramatic way. What is your hypothesis for what happened in year two? Uh, well, I would say I don't know that that is an accurate representation, right? Because, again, our the question that we are looking at is not were deaths going up. Um, it's was there an inflection point, right, around Measure 110 or the legal change in Washington such that it seems like um, you know, they started going up uh, significantly, you know, at, at a significantly greater rate after that happened, right? Um, but why? What's over, what's special about the first year? I mean, we're we're talking about a policy that has been that has been ramping up potentially. I mean, there there are various ways to to hypothesize what happened, but but isn't a, an, an entire second year of data a really important thing to now to pay attention to and to, and to reckon with? I mean, just to give folks the, a, a sense for the numbers here, they say that, uh, the CDC says that in Oregon, we saw a 23% increase in fatal overdose deaths in the last year. Washington saw a 34% increase. Well, the country as a whole went up 1.7%. So the rates of increase are wildly different. And and what's, I mean, the only thing I can think of that unifies Washington and Oregon is decriminalization. Uh, well, um, I mean, there are a couple of other things. I mean, so again, uh, it seems like, yes, you're saying you know, the only thing you can think of. Well, I can think of a number of other things. Um, I mean, you know, again, we're looking at rates, okay? Um, so Oregon and Washington both historically actually had relatively low rates and, and numbers of, of overdose fatalities, right? So 
Um, even in, you know, in 2020, you know, Oregon ranked something like 40th, 38, 39th, 40th in the country as far as overdose deaths. And in 2021, you know, the, the latest year for which we have final data, again, those data that you're referring to, those are, are provisional data. Um, you know, Oregon was still, you know, well into the lower half of the country as far as actual overdose deaths. Right. So you're right that we are to some extent interested in those changes. Right. But to the extent that I mean, I think that this is where some of this reporting is kind of conflating those two things. Right. So it is true that the rates have increased, but they have they're increasing from a very low level. But OK, but right? just to, so just to be has seen. I, I, I mean, just to be clear, what we're what we're both talking about and and focusing on is the rate of increase, not where they started. And that that was that was the entire point that you were talking about earlier with comparing Oregon and Washington to those those other states to look at the trajectory. The entire point of the t- trajectory is the rates of increase. Let, let me put it to you this way, because I'm truly curious: Would you commit to doing a follow up study with this latest data and publishing publishing it regardless of what you find? I mean, if if what you find is that Measure 110 is the reason for an increase in fatal overdoses, would you tell the world? Uh, yes, of course. I mean, it sounds like you're suggesting that this study that was funded by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that had two CDC scientists on it, had a number of scientists from New York University, that there's something fishy about it. That's you know maybe we wouldn't have published the results um, if we had found something other than what we found. Which I would say, the finding that we found and which we published is not what the proponents of Measure 110 were hoping for. Right? I mean, Measure 110 was kind of uh, pitched, at least in part, to the voters as saying, you know, we think this is going to reduce overdose deaths. Um, I mean, if we were somehow in the bag uh, for, you know, big measure 110, as I would say, a number of people have suggested to me <laughs> on the, in my Twitter replies, um, we wouldn't have published the study, uh, you know, because it, it goes against that, um, you, you know, that hope, I think, that measure 110 proponents um, had had. I mean, we... I think that this is a study that, um, you know, doesn't make anybody happy, right? So I think that those who oppose Measure 110, I mean, I don't think that they are bad people who actually hoped that more people would have overdosed and died. I'm not saying that, but I think they would have found it politically um, helpful to their cause if we had found, oh, Measure 110 actually seems to have increased overdoses just as you know, the proponents of Measure 110, you know, probably, you know, would have liked to have had a study that says it seems to be decreasing them. We didn't find either of those. Um, and, you know, with my policy hat, um, and again, I should you know, say just I, we have 20 seconds left for the policy hat. Yeah, I mean, um, it is actually uncommon for a policy, even a relatively big change like Measure 110, to significantly move a big outcome like overdose deaths. Um, you know, so I'm actually not terribly surprised that we didn't find that, you know, in the first year um, that there was no significant change. Corey Davis, thanks very much for your time. I appreciate it. Sure.